Well, um, let's pray again that God would open our minds, because we just talked about a lot, um, but open our minds to the Bible. Lord, uh, your word is a lamp to our feet. It's like a light that illuminates our path. Lord, heaven and earth are going to pass away, you said, but your word, what you have spoken that's right and true, it's going to endure forever. Lord, we want to say, God, help us to hide your word in our hearts so that we won't rebel against you. So, Lord, we, we want to look to what you say today, this summer, hopefully every day, so that we can follow you more closely, enjoy you more deeply, and be used by you more fully. God, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The church said, amen. Well, well school's out um, for many, which is a blessing for most except for parents with kids at home. Okay, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Everyone else is feeling blessed except for mom or dad or aunt or uncle who have to, who have to take care of these kids. And, and finally, the sun has come out. All is well and good. And we're thrilled that this uh, summer rhythm is beginning with a new series for us. We wait to the end of school. And then we launch something specific for each summer, realizing that some people are going to come and go. And our summer series is in encountering Jesus. And so here's the plan. All summer long, there'll be various people teaching with something that Jesus said that was impactful or an interaction with someone that was impactful, positive, negative. And we want to learn to encounter Jesus by seeing how he encountered people with his words and with his life. And here's the premise. We think we know Jesus. We think we know him by what we've read and seen. But you ever just read it and then read it again and go, wow, I didn't get that the first time. And I am convinced the biggest challenge you and I in learning to follow Jesus through the Bible, through the Gospels in particular, is we think we know the encounters. We think we know what it's about. But what we want to do is fresh eyes see what God is doing. And we're starting this week with a passage we're going to read from Mark chapter 10 about Jesus and children. Uh, I'm thrilled to say that this this week, we are starting our first ever 26 West Kids Camp. Wildwood Forest is the theme. Yes. The goal was about, a, if, man, if we could pull off 100 kids in year one, that would be miraculous. We're at 94 kids registered. And, and here's the cool part. 60 volunteers have committed the week to serve. This is incredible. We should rejoice. This is so good. Nobody else cares. All right, great. Yeah. So... I'm going to have Jamie, who's our kids director, come at the end. We're going to pray into this. You could start to see that we're already setting up for it. There's things that you and, and I could do. It's super exciting. My life was shaped by weeks like this, really shaped. I could sing a song I learned in what was called Vacation Bible School when I was like probably 10 or 11 years old. I still know the lyrics. I only heard it over one summer, and it's just in my soul. I won't sing it because I ain't stupid. Um, and I'm, I just, I'm, Casey's got the chops. I, I don't. Um, but as a young person, sometimes when we focus intentional, extra time to point towards Jesus and the goodness of God, you have no idea how it's going to shape not just them, but the families that these young people are going to go back to. And so what we want to do in light of that, Jesus invests in children. We're going to read Mark 10, 
verses 13 through 16. I'm going to invite us, and we're going to put it on the screen, and I want us to read this out loud together. It's super short, but it's super helpful. On the count of three, one, two, three. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter in. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. That's just so good. This is the first encounter that we're going to look at. And, and we're not going to go like over the course of Jesus' chronological life. We're just going to look at these various episodes. Two reminders that I'm going to give you. You're going to have to hang to the end. Two reminders, and you'll eventually write them down. But we want to, we want to set the scene. People, notice it says, we're bringing little children to Jesus. What are the names of the kids? We don't know. We know that people are always pressing in as Jesus' ministry expands. People are pressing in. They're getting closer. The crowds are getting bigger. And, and at some point, people are bringing little ones. Who's bringing them? My guess is their parents. Why do I know this? Still in many parts of the world, wherever I go, especially in places where medical care is scarce or not trustworthy, what do you do as a mom or a dad? When your little one is sick and you can't diagnose it, that's still most of the places in the world. Most kids are going through things that are not going to be diagnosed. What do you do when there's no medicine or the medicine is not accessible? It's impossible to afford. What do you do? You pray. And so wherever I go in the world, and it's amazing, when you're going to preach, there's an expectation between moms that I have had people push through the crowd I'm on a stage. I wasn't even going to, this was a random thought, now it's got me choked up. And a mother handing her child, pray. I'm like, talk about pressure. Like, oh, a mother's love. Because mom believes that maybe God will hear. Man, why can't I just be a peaceable preacher? Like, what's that deal? My kids mock, but it is what it is. No, uh, who's bringing them? Probably parents. Why? Jesus has a reputation for healing people. Why are they bringing them to Jesus? Because power is coming from him. Real life, not, not like theoretical power. The power of God is through the life of Jesus. And so... The, the, the parents, I think, are just like, man, and, and in their day, like, it, like we do today, if you could get closer to a holy person, if you could even touch their clothes, if you could be in the room, somehow God's blessing will spill over to you. How old are these kids? We don't know. We know they're young enough for Jesus to hold them in his arms. They ain't having them with a 15-year-old. You know, like, hello. And, and no, they're young. As a matter of fact, Luke gives the same encounter and says they brought the babies to Jesus. Don't think teenager, think toddler. Think really little one. And I want us to see the scene. People are bringing the kids to Jesus, and what are the disciples doing? They're 
they're pushing the parents away. This is an odd scene. The people who are actually following Jesus, notice, are hindering faith-filled parents. They're blocking some people for whatever reason. Why? They're rebuking. They're stopping. Why? Uh, Mark does not tell us the reason why, but it's assumed amongst the readers that kids were known as a bit of a distraction. So it was okay to push the kids aside as Jesus may be teaching here. We don't know exactly what's happening, but we do know that Jesus is offended. Somehow the kids are getting in the way of the real work that Jesus is supposed to be doing. I want you to see how crazy that sounds. And I want you to see how often that happens. Could it be that you and I, at times, are hindering, not helping, not assisting, not moving people out of the way so mom with a sick baby can make it for prayer? You and I, intentionally, but in this case it seems like unintentionally oblivious disciples could be stopping what Jesus wants to do in people's lives. How many of you want to be that kind of person? Don't raise your hand. You don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be that kind of person. But we do get in this encounter, there are two things at the end I want us to grab hold of, but you don't have to wait. Now let, let the setting of the scene just tell the story. We see that Jesus' people are not being helpful. How many ever met uh, a Jesus person who wasn't helpful in your growth? <laughs> Actually stunted your growth, confused your growth, hindered your growth. And you're not alone because in this scene we see Jesus doing it. Now, whenever I read the Bible, I read an encounter in light of the encounters that are around it. Hey, really quick, we won't, if you're just looking at your Bible, uh, a physical Bible if you have it, or you scroll up, right before this, Jesus gives a, a, a word about marriage and divorce. Right afterwards, Jesus gives a word to a rich man who Jesus says, you're lacking something. You should get rid of your great wealth and follow me. And what you see sandwiched in the middle is a message about kids. Now, I want, I'm just going to give you the punchline because we don't have time to get into all of it. In their day, uh, a man could divorce his wife for lots of frivolous reasons. And when that happened, not only was that sad for the relationship, it was terrible for her because wealth mostly passed from man to man and father to son. So now you would have a woman who's been pushed out of the house by her husband. She's been shamed by her husband. She's now let go. She is financially in trouble and she can be in a horrible place that even if she's not guilty for it, even if she was guilty for it, it doesn't make a difference. She can't get out of it. She's a vulnerable person, not because she's a woman, but because of her status in the society put her in a bad spot. And Jesus has a word about the importance of keeping our, our marriage commitment, right? The value of marriage. But he's also in that saying and uplifting the value of the people that have been marginalized and hurt. Jesus is saying a word to his disciples about not forgetting those who've been forgotten. 
Jesus is for the forgotten. Jesus is reaching out to those who've been pushed out. Jesus wants to give care. And then, and then after you have a story about a rich guy, and people thought if you had wealth, it was a sign of God's blessing. And his word to the rich guy is your riches are a hindrance. Oh, so Jesus is saying, I'm for the vulnerable who are hungry for me. Bring them to me. And he's like, the people you think are close to the kingdom of God are as far from it. So what Jesus is saying is we need to see things, all of life, with new eyes. And that's what we're going to see in this word about kids. This is all background to the, how many things am I going to give you at the end? You're only getting two. You don't get three. All right. A word on this passage from a commentator, David Garland. I'll put it on the screen and just kind of summarizes. Both women and children could be mistreated and abused because of their lack of power. In the ancient world, children had no status. They were easily ignored and barred access because no one would take the trouble to complain and fight for them. These children, who must be brought to Jesus by others, have nothing to commend an audience with him. And they cannot defend themselves against bullies, a.k.a. the disciples. Jesus holds them up again as an example. Their littleness contrasts sharply with the overbearing disciples who want to assert their power and influence, end quote. There are people who long to be close to Jesus, who long to enter into the good rule of God that's brought about by Jesus, but then you have some people who are blocking them, and, and that's, that's the tension of this encounter. Okay, now, what does Jesus do? Just, we'll read 13 and 14 again. People bring little children to Jesus to place their hands on him. Disciples rebuke them, sternly warn them, don't do it. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, which is a fancy word. The New Living Translation gives an equally good translation. He was angry, indignant. And in, in the Greek word, the root word from it means to arouse with anger. It stirred up an anger in Jesus. That's a good anger. There's a good anger and there's a bad anger. We ought to be angry at injustice. Would you agree? When you see things that are unlike Jesus, that ought to arouse not a hate for people, not a commitment to do evil to try to get good results, but a, an anger within the soul God, how long? And so Jesus has this, how long? But who's it pointed at? The people closest to him. Here's the scandalous thing about this encounter. You could be close to Jesus, but be working against the thing that Jesus wants to do. I don't want to be there, but I am at times, and that's why this encounter is so instructive. And so Jesus gets angry for a reason. If you help the little ones to come to him, this is important. And so what does Jesus say? Bring them to me. He's, he's not upset that the people, the parents maybe, or the friends, are bringing the little ones to him. The culture sees them as little less important and often last. I've been in cultures where the kids eat last. I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make a statement about, I just, I'm, I'm not okay with that. But where mom, dad, everyone eats seconds, and there's any leftovers, and then they give it to the kids. And, and so if that's something that's exciting for you, or that's your cultural bent, 
there may be good reasons. Again, I'm not a sociologist, but there seems to be something about like giving to those who can't come to the table first that seems valuable, right? And so Jesus sees that the culture maybe sees children as low, but he's like, no, bring them to me, welcome them. By the way, this is about more than kids because bring those who've been sent out of their home and now could be poor. Bring these women who are marginalized. Bring them to me. Bring me the rich man who's blinded by his wealth because I want to release him from his poverty. The rich man's poor because he doesn't understand the heart of God. Jesus wants to release all sorts of people, the sick, the hurting, the broken, the demon-possessed or influenced. Jesus brings healing and wholeness. Okay, we know that. So the question is, what does it look like for us? Let's get to us. What does it look like for us to be the kinds of people who are unlike the not helpful disciples, but rather like the helpful ones where we partner with the heart of God, where we understand the heart of God, where we see and we sense what God is doing, and we bring those who Jesus wants close and who actually want to be close. How do we work with God? Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at first what Jesus says and then what Jesus does, and both are important. And you and I can learn something from what Jesus says, and we could definitely learn something from what Jesus does. What does Jesus say? Quote, he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Do not push these important ones to me. Truly, anyone who will not, underline this word, receive, underline that word, receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter in it. Whoa, okay. So in a culture that doesn't see children as the highest value, Jesus makes a point. Now, I think if we've read the Bible enough, we realize he said, you don't have to become a child, but I need to do what? What do we underline? Receive. Some of you didn't do it yet. Receive like a child. So there's something about a child that can be instructive for you and I to enter the kingdom of God. And as a matter of fact, you can't. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you do what? What do we underline? Receive. receive. You can't enter the kingdom until you receive. Now, okay, Jose, help me. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? Another commentator, super helpful, James Edwards, um, quote. Let's just read it. In this story, children are not blessed because of their virtues, like, you know, kids are cute or whatever, but for what they lack. They come only as they are, small, powerless, without sophistication, as the overlooked and dispossessed of society. To receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credits, no clout, no claims. Must be a preacher, right? Three C's, come on. A little child has absolutely nothing to bring. Whatever a child receives, he or she receives by grace on the basis of sheer neediness rather than by any merit inherent to him or herself. 
for only empty hands can be filled, end quote. Man, my favorite part is the only empty hands. Say it together. Only empty hands. One more time. Only empty, only empty hands can be filled. We get it. Your child is ill. How many four-year-olds are going to accurately self-diagnose? They need help. So the loving person comes and, and brings them. They're probably not driving at four. Unless it's a Tesla and then anything. could drive anything. But um, they're, they're, Okay, and then, and then the doctor explains what's going on. And how many four-year-olds are going to completely understand that? Maybe that, that person's going to help them understand what they're really going through. And then they, they need a prescription or they need a procedure. And, and so how many four-year-olds can afford? You, you see, what does a child do? They come with only empty hands. And, and loving people around them provide. And a child doesn't say, well, mom, is that doctor trustworthy? Mom, that blue pill, I don't know, does it have enough magnesium to blah, 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 blah whatever? Where did I get magnesium from? I don't even know. <laughs> but, but, but mom or dad or, or caring person says, take this. Can we get the liquid formula like the swallow pills? No, we already paid for it. Take the pill. You know, like whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, the, the, the child receives and trusts and, and understands that the people around them are working for their good. They're not filled with doubt. They're not filled with skepticism. When, when a good word is spoken, they receive it. When a good gift is given, they receive it. And, and, and so what does this say about entering the kingdom of God? you got to remember, until we realize we come to Jesus with nothing to offer, you can't get in. As long as you think that God is going to be blessed by you joining his little thing, you will stay on the outskirts of the good rule of God in your life. Until you realize that, yes, there is so much good in you, but there's evil at work in you as well. And that everybody's sinned and everybody's fallen short. And everyone's story is a story of error, intentional and unintentional. And that we all need forgiveness by the only one who can forgive, and that's God alone. The challenge with us in America, is we wonder if we need God. Why do your friends not follow Jesus? Why are you not following Jesus? Because you think you can do life apart from God. Friend, try breathing without God generously giving you air. You can't. We are the delusional ones. We're the rich man that says, hey, Jesus, well, I kept the law, and I've done this, and I've done that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You think this whole thing's about you. Lay it all down and follow me. Oh, okay. whoa, okay. Oh, man. And the person who recognizes every good gift comes from God. And he's been generous to people who've been rebellious. Until you get there, you're never going to get in. So a child is not necessarily resting on their long track record. Because they're a kid. 
but they're eager for good. And man, when someone comes with good, they receive it as a gift. As long as we're trusting our awesomeness, we're not going to be very, very useful. Some of you, you started following Jesus, but you're not living the fully productive life yet as his follower. God has more for you. And, and it's not going to bring you closer to him. He loves you. He's forgiven you. But he wants to use you. But you're still holding on to, do I have time? Do I have time to serve God? I, I, I'm saying it slowly because sometimes just saying it slowly makes it sound as ridiculous as it is. God gives us 24 hours and we wonder, can I have any time for you? He gives us 24 hours. He gives us seven days. Can I worship you, Jesus, for an hour and a half? I don't know if I could squeeze you in. I'm saying it ridiculously because it's ridiculous. But there's something about a kid. A kid often, when they're given an opportunity, just jumps in. They're not worried about their complex schedule. They're not worried about their complex assets. When they're in, they're in. And so there's something of coming like a child with empty hands, with open hands, and a willingness to be involved. And so remember, friends, the good news is this. Jesus died and rose again to rescue rebellious people who are not worthy of the love of God, but God loves us anyway. This is the good news. This is the good news is that he did it for us. And so now we come like children with empty, open hands. And we say, Jesus, we want from you. Okay, that's what Jesus said. In order to experience the kingdom of God, the good rule of God in your life, forgiveness of sin, yes. The filling of the Spirit, yes. Open mind to the word of God, yes. All those things. And now a life lived, let's go back. He was indignant or aroused to anger at his disciples who should know what God is like. And so it's going to take an openness. And for some of us this summer, you know what it's going to be a summer of? Cleaning the closet. I think it'll be a great, it's a great task. Or the garage, which is even worse. Maybe yours is nice. Mine's a wreck. I have a sabbatical for a garage, right? But here's what we're going to do this summer. Let's start with this one. The reason we're talking about kids first is because this is the entry point. We ought to ask God to evaluate our life this summer. Where we have a little bit of a rhythm where usually we could slow down at least for a day or two or maybe you get a week or two weeks. Let's slow down. Let's not waste it. Let's ask God to take an inventory of our life and say, God, am I partnering with you in the thing you want to do in my life and in my world? I, I don't want to be like an adult and box you out. I want to be like a child. And some of you have been following Jesus so long, you can remember the time where you lived like a child. Not childish. I'm not talking about, hey, lose maturity. You know, throw away knowledge. I'm not, but, but there was a time where you just did it. I, Jesus, I read the Bible verse and I did it. Why? Because it was right. And now it's gotten complicated. And now it's easy to explain away. And like when someone said, give because it's better to give than to receive. I was like, can I give more? And now, now I'm like, well, I got I to gotta hold for $8 a gallon gas prices because it's going there, man. Right? So, so what we want to do is we want to ask God, are we, are we living 
like a child with empty, open hands saying, Jesus, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. Whatever you want is yours. It all belongs to you. So that's what he said. Then, then look, look, notice what he did. The next verse. And he took the children in his arms, placed them in his, his hands on them, and he blessed them. The, the, the people b- brought these little ones to Jesus because they believed that God was with They didn't understand who Jesus was fully, that he was God. But God is with him, and so let's get our little ones. Oh, man, may God's presence be on them. And Jesus, they just wanted Jesus to, to, to lay a hand of blessing on them. What does he do? He holds them. I love that. Jesus does more, more than we ask. He brings us closer than we ask. He, he gives us more to do than we even ask. He opens doors that are greater than we could ask when we live, not childish, but like a child. When we come open, open hands. And, and the laying on of hands, by the way, that had a rich history that sometimes we forget about. Noah laid his hands on his sons after the flood and said, Lord, bless their generations. Isaac blessed his sons Joseph, blessed. Jacob, blessed. And for them, the blessing often came at the end of their life. It was the formal transfer of the will. Like dad's going to pass away. You laid your hands. That's why the oldest child got the blessing. Because now it's all going. The family name is owing. The oldest son is going to you. And then it's going to the family. I'm coming to an end. And now the kingdom, the the Family, heritage, the stuff, it's going to you. And so there is this beautiful picture of laying hands and saying, God, what you're doing, now do in them. And, and, and Jesus takes the little children and he holds them in his arms. The kingdom of heaven belongs to these. What I'm going to do, I'm going to do through them. The least the marginalized, the nobodies, my kingdom, my good loving rule, it's going to come through them. All right, I've stalled. I've got two things for you and we're done. Easy, easy peasy. Two things. One, Jesus is calling us to follow him with a childlike faith. This encounter, I hope, is beginning to stir in you an assessment, not a judgment. Look, not a judgment. We go through cycles in life where we're passionate and when we're scattered. I'm just asking you, is this a passionate season? If not, ask God to produce in you a child like I've got nothing. Even if you say, Jose, I'm loaded, you got nothing. I got a lot of experience, you got nothing. I come again and again to Jesus saying, Lord, my hands are empty. If you didn't give me anything, I wouldn't have it anyway. Lord, even people see me as this and that, but Lord, I'm just a child. I just want you. And remember, he doesn't, he doesn't point to the kids as this picture of innocent and perfect and beautiful because I was on a plane last night finishing up this message at like one in the morning. And as people were boarding the plane, I was sitting in my seat and right in front of me was uh, a couple with a, a young child. And right behind me was a couple with a young child, and right next to me was a couple with a young child, and it was hysterical because as people were ending the plane, it was so great. They were giving googly eyes to the three kids around me, and I was going, oh. you know, I was like, 
because I felt like everyone was putting on a weird face to the people all around me, and it was just awkward, so I made it more awkward. And because they're like, you know, you're fluffing through, and then they see, oh, and then you got the people doing the grandparent mode to some other child. You know, they're like, ah, 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 ah. They're all, it's like, this is not your kid. But they were just doing it as a child. And so all was fun till we took off. And then the choir of screaming kids, one started, led to the choir over here. And I had, even with noise-canceling headphones, I had screaming everywhere. And I'm laughing out loud because I'm typing about children. <laughs> I'm like, this message is going to be amazing. <laughs> he wants to come to him with childlike faith. Ch- doesn't mean chi- childlike faith isn't perfect, innocent faith. Children are just messy. Sometimes simple. But they have open hands, right? Will you have open hands to whatever God wants to do in you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life? Second thing is Jesus wants us to welcome people that others overlook. I, I think that's actually the center of this story. The, the divorced woman is overlooked. The child is overlooked, and the rich person is overlooked because the rich person is assumed in their culture to be blessed by God because God has given them wealth. But they're overlooked because their heart might not be with God. And so who do we think that Jesus is inviting to closeness? Uh, Do we think it's just the good people? Do we think it's just the church people? Do we think it's just the kind people? The clean people, the educated people, the influential people, the people who are like me. I want you to think of the person who is most opposite to you in political ideology, in economic status, in relational status. Think of the person who is so unlike you and remember Jesus went to the cross for them. And he's inviting them. And what he's saying to his disciples is, don't you block them from me. And unfortunately, sometimes, rather than being a pathway, we can become the barrier to people experiencing the love of Jesus. But I don't want that to happen. So what am I saying? I'm saying following Jesus means we see everyone with a new set of lenses. I see myself with a new set of lenses. I was in darkness I've heard the good news. I responded with open hands, childlike trust. I said, Jesus, I have nothing to offer but my brokenness. Rescue me. He rescues me. But then I see myself with a new, a new set of lenses. No, I am not who I used to be. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Uh, and, and, and if Christ is in you, you have the hope of glory now, God with you, and glory to come. And And anything that the Father wants to do, this is crazy. He could do through you. You say, anything? Anything that the Father wants to do on this earth, he can do through any one of his kids at any point because he's a good, good Father. That's who he is. That's who he is. Now you can't get the song out of your head. So I see myself with a new light, a new set of lenses, and then... I see other people, and this is the hard part, with a new set of lenses as well. And so who is different that we're going to embrace? Who is antagonistic that we're going to demonstrate love? I love that we get to live this out this week. Like I said, Monday through Friday of this week, um, 
right here in the space and in the rooms behind us. We're going to have 94 kids and 60 volunteers, and we're going to invest. And I'm telling you now, you're going to see in the next few years, we're going to spend more money on kids and students, middle school, elementary, middle school, high school, even into university, a lot more money on reaching out to those areas. Because number one, most people who decide to follow Jesus start it before the age of 18. Most studies show start it before the age of 14. So we want to think younger, not because younger is better, but because if we start sowing seeds of the gospel now in young people, it has more time to grow and flourish, and we want that. So there's going to be more, more, more. This is the first annual uh, kids camp. We want to see it grow. Why? Because numbers matter. Yes. Numbers matter. If it's your son or daughter and they enter the kingdom of God because of a kid's event, that number matters. And so we want to be aggressive in a nonviolent way, (laughs) but aggressive in our strategy to love people, especially those that are young.